My little sister jokes that my answer to any health question is fix your insulin. That's that's partially true. I do talk about it a lot. Now, insulin resistance occurs when your body stops responding to insulin. It's almost like you know your child who you ask them to clean their room four or five times and you finally just stop asking because they're just not listening. Our body does the same thing with insulin. Welcome to Take Back Your Health the podcast that empowers you to take control of your health. Your host, Dr. Richard Huntsman, is a chiropractic physician with a master's degree in nutrition and functional medicine. He has been helping patients in his clinic for years and is now ready to share what he has learned with you, sharing information to help you take control of your health and live your best life. Let's get started. Here is your host, Dr. Richard Huntsman. Hello, I'm Dr. Richard Huntsman. I'm a licensed chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. Today we're going to talk about weight loss. This is one of the most common questions I get asked in my clinic. Doc, I'm eating well, I'm working out, but I can't seem to lose any weight. What do I do? Now these are the people that have tried reducing calories, they're moving more, eating less, they've tried the newest fad diet that their friends sold them, but nothing has worked. They can't seem to lose any weight, the scale's just not moving. Does that sound familiar? I hear it every day. Truth is, many of us have hormone imbalances that are preventing us from losing weight. Our hormones regulate fat loss, metabolism, appetite, all the things we need for sustainable weight loss. Getting these hormones regulated is the key to sustaining easy weight loss. Today, I'm going to talk about the four most common hormones to help us lose weight and what you need to do to get them working how they're supposed to. First one I'm going to talk about is insulin. Anyone that's followed me for any length of time knows I love talking about insulin resistance. My little sister jokes that my answer to any health question is fix your insulin. That's, that's partially true. I do talk about it a lot. Insulin is the key often to why people are struggling to lose weight. It's the first thing I look at when I'm trying to help someone lose weight that hasn't been able to. Now, insulin resistance occurs when your body stops responding to insulin. When we eat foods that elevate our blood sugar, insulin is produced to move that sugar out of the blood and into the cells. When this is going on all the time, the cells stop responding. It's almost like, you know, your child who you ask them to clean their room four or five times and you finally just stop asking because they're just not listening. Our body does the same thing with insulin. Insulin keeps telling it, hey, take in this sugar and the cells just keep ignoring. That happens because the insulin is just there all the time. Insulin resistance is a driving force behind type 2 diabetes and many other chronic diseases. You name it, it's been tied to insulin resistance. Um, I've talked about this in the past. Now, when you have insulin resistance, it's really difficult to lose weight. Insulin tells the body to store fat. So if there's insulin around all the time, the body is not in fat burning mode. It's in fat storage mode. So everyone who is struggling to lose weight would benefit from getting screened for insulin resistance. There's simple blood or even at-home saliva tests that you can run to show if you have high insulin levels. Um, I always recommend getting your fasting levels checked. Now, I like to see them at levels less than 7. Yeah, and we can go up to maybe 10, but definitely less than 10, ideally less than 7 for a fasting test. For a non-fasted test, I want to see those levels below about 18. 18 to 20 in that range is, is a pretty good number for a non-fasting test. These tests are usually fairly cheap, 
most doctors should be willing to order them. Uh, if they're not, contact me and we can get one ordered for you. They're pretty easy. Like I said, I can even send one to your home uh, and you just do it with saliva. So after we run these tests and we find, okay, we're insulin resistant, what do we do? It's fairly straightforward. The first thing you want to do is follow a keto style diet. Now I talk about keto a lot. And when I'm saying keto, I'm just meaning lower carb. You don't necessarily have to do the real high fat keto style. But all food stimulates insulin, okay? But carbohydrates stimulate it the most. When we eat carbs, especially refined carbohydrates from sugar and flour, or our blood sugar levels go really high. Now, when our blood sugar levels are high, our insulin is high. And so we need to reduce our carbohydrate intake dramatically if we want to fix insulin resistance and most people i start them at 100 grams a day but i would like to see them get to less than 70 Uh, if they want to get into true ketosis we got to go less than 30 or 40 for most people and so that's the first thing if you've got insulin resistance sorry you have to reduce your carbohydrates there's just no way around it there are other things we can do but that is going to be your most effective method to allow our cells to become more sensitive to insulin and switch us into that fat burning mode. Okay. Switch us out of fat storage. The next thing you can do is fast regularly. Intermittent fasting has become really popular. Uh, A lot of people follow an 18.6, which helps. I'm a fan of if you've been doing 18.6 for a while, change it up. Maybe a couple times a week, go 24 hours, maybe some days and you just move when your six hour window is to, you know, now this day you eat breakfast and lunch and you skip dinner. That does tend to be more effective. A lot of people find it harder to do because of, of dinner with the family and things like that. And I'm right there with them. I, we prioritize family dinner in my home. And so I find it hard to fast through dinner, but sometimes I do. And, and I just say, okay, I'm just going to drink some water and I still sit with the family. Sometimes I still make dinner on those nights and we still have family dinner. You know, my son likes to, if he doesn't want to eat dinner, he likes to fast. If it's something he doesn't want to eat, he just says, oh, I'm fasting tonight, which I'm totally fine with. But I still make him sit at the table with us because family dinner is important. But fasting can be a great tool uh, for insulin resistance. And then the last thing you want to do is resistance train. Build more muscles, increases your insulin sensitivity, decreases the fat, all the things we want to do to help with weight loss. And resistance training does it better than cardio. Now, cardio is not bad per se, but cardio is not going to be quite as effective at reducing our insulin levels. Now, if cardio is the only form of exercise you can do, great, is better than nothing. But we want to make sure that we're getting some strength training in, just doing some push-ups a few times a day, do some pull-ups, some wall squats, simple things that you can do that can make a big difference. So let's move on to the next hormone. The next one I want to talk about is leptin. Now, leptin is not talked about nearly as much as insulin, but leptin plays a key role in us losing or gaining weight. So leptin is a hormone that regulates appetite. Um, It kind of works against another hormone called ghrelin. Ghrelin tells us when to eat. Leptin tells us when to stop eating. So these kind of play together, but leptin is the one I want to focus on. Leptin is produced in the fat cells. So the bigger our fat cells get, the more leptin that is produced. This leads us to feeling hungry all the time. Now, the other thing that can happen is high insulin levels also increase leptin levels. So if we're insulin resistant, 
fairly likely that they're leptin resistant as well. Leptin resistance works the same way. The leptin is produced telling our brain, hey, we're not hungry anymore. We don't need to keep eating. But the brain's been getting that signal so much or so often that it stops responding to it and starts ignoring it. Then we can eat more. Other factors that affect insulin would be inflammation, or leptin, excuse me, would be inflammation, poor sleep, high cortisol levels from too much stress. All of these increase our leptin levels. Now, similar to insulin, if our leptin is too high, we've got to work on our sensitivity to it. The best way, uh, and this is similar to insulin, but the best way is to build more muscle. More muscle means the fat cells will produce less leptin. Less leptin means we won't feel like we need to eat all the time. Okay, next we want to eat foods that fill us up. Protein, fat, fiber, those are going to be your most satiating foods. So it sounds like pretty typical advice, but eat your meat, eat your vegetables, eat your fruit, don't fear fat, you know, use your olive oils, your butters, your things like that. I like to focus on protein the most. Some people like to focus on the vegetables. People can have issues with vegetables, so I don't, I don't stress them as much as others. Protein I find to be more important and more impactful. And for most people, most women, we want to get about 80 to 100 grams per day, depending on your size. Uh, and men, minimum 120 to 150 grams of protein a day. Now, what does that look like? A typical decent-sized chicken breast will be 40 to 50 grams of protein. A uh, good-sized steak will be about the same, maybe up to 60 for a real large steak. So, yeah, it's, it's eating a lot of protein. Now, I tend to eat meat for my protein source and eggs but you can use there are plant sources of protein uh, if you tolerate them well or if you choose to eat that way dairy has good protein as long as it doesn't cause you issues so just make sure you're getting enough protein and if you get enough protein with dinner you're not going to feel the need to eat later you're not going to feel that 10 o'clock hunger right before you go to bed and then, you know, when we do that, when we do eat late at night, that's going to disrupt our sleep, causing more leptin problems. Bad sleep messes with a lot of our hormones, making it difficult to lose weight, leptin included. So we want to make sure we're getting enough protein with our meals to help us feel full longer and to signal to the brain, hey, I don't need to keep eating. I can stop now. Okay. Next one I want to talk about is that stress hormone. That is cortisol. Everyone has heard of cortisol. Cortisol is produced when we feel stress. Who doesn't feel stress these days? We live in a world full of it. High levels of cortisol make it difficult to lose weight. And when cortisol is high, we have increased appetite and cravings, especially cravings for sugar. High cortisol also slows down our metabolism. Now, when your metabolism is sluggish, it makes it more difficult for your body to process energy, leads you to feel tired, hungry, and have those cravings that you can't seem to control. Reducing cortisol means we have to evaluate the stress in our life. Now, are there things or activities in our life that are only causing us stress and aren't benefiting us? If we have those, we got to cut them out when we can. You know, we can't remove all stress, family, financials, work, you know, there's stress all around, but we've got to do the best we can to remove the things that aren't helping us. Remove those things that are only triggering us to have higher stress levels. So we need to work on our body's ability to handle the stress that we do have to deal with every day. Yoga, meditation, exercise, deep breathing, all those have been shown to lower stress and cortisol levels. 
Uh, one of my favorites is just going for a walk, especially outside. You know, right now we're finally getting some nice weather here in Wyoming, so I like to go out after dinner. Often me and my family, if the weather's good, we, we go out and take a 10, 15-minute walk right after dinner. The kids ride their bikes and we get some sunshine. Uh, it's a great way to lower stress. I've never in my life that I can think of felt stress when I'm out walking in nature. The other thing we can do is take a vacation. Everyone needs to take a break. Even if it's just you take one day off of work, go for a weekend with your spouse or your family or by yourself if you have to, you need to take a break. Do the things you love. Get away from work. Get away from those stressful situations for a time. That is one of the best ways to lower your stress. People often are afraid to take breaks. They're afraid to take time off work or maybe they can't. So if, even if you can't take a break from work, get away for a couple days on the weekend. It doesn't have to be anything big. It just needs to be a way for you to go do something you enjoy and get away from stress for a while. Okay, That may be your key to losing weight. I've had people where they couldn't lose weight because of their job or they couldn't lose weight because of a bad spouse situation. And I'm not, I didn't tell them to get divorced, but I did tell them, look, you got to get so you can manage this. And so for some people like that, it was a weekend away every once in a while by themselves or with some friends, you know, take a girl's or a guy's night down to the city, things like that. But lowering your cortisol levels is definitely a key part of losing weight. If those cortisol levels are high, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle constantly. So we got to look at those stress levels. Now, last one I want to talk about, and this is kind of two hormones in one. We're going to talk about the thyroid. People who struggle with thyroid disorders, that is one of their number one complaints is that I can't lose weight. Underactive thyroid slows down your metabolism, makes it really difficult to lose weight. Now, the key to the thyroid is figuring out exactly why the thyroid is not performing as it's supposed to. There are many reasons why your thyroid might be having issues, there's lots of tests you can run and ways to figure out, but the, and I've talked about this a bit in a previous episode, but the most common cause of a low thyroid is Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder. Now, if you have a low thyroid and haven't been checked for Hashimoto's, do it tomorrow. It's a blood test. It's usually pretty cheap. Most walk-in labs will have this test, so if you don't want to go through your doctor, just walk in the lab and go get it checked. Um, if you need a doctor to order it, I'd be happy to order one for you or call your doctor. Successfully work on Hashimoto's is very different than just taking levothyroxine or Synthroid or any of these other thyroid medications. An autoimmune disorder means that your body is attacking itself. Now, in the case of Hashimoto's, it's attacking the thyroid. So now the thyroid is under attack. It's inflamed it can't make thyroid hormones effectively. Okay, so the key with Hashimoto's is we have to take that burden away from the thyroid. We've got to convince the immune system or regulate the immune system well enough that it is not attacking that thyroid. Now, the way we do that is we have to figure out what is triggering the immune system. In the case of autoimmune disorders, often it's food. Certain foods will trigger that immune response and when that immune response gets triggered, the body starts attacking things. In the case of Hashimoto's, again, it's attacking the thyroid, okay? Most common foods that are triggering people with autoimmunities would be gluten and dairy. 
any person I have that has Hashimoto's, if they're not already gluten and dairy free, we do a four to six week trial of it. We take them off gluten, take them off dairy and see how they feel for a month. Now, after a month, if they're noticing, man, I feel so much better. Great. And if they want to reintroduce those foods, we do it slowly. And then some, sometimes people can get some of those foods back, sometimes not. Many people who have Hashimoto's just need to be gluten and dairy-free forever. It sucks. I've been there. I was gluten-free for five years while I was working on digestive issues. It's not fun. But it might be the reason why you can't lose weight. If you're eating gluten and you have Hashimoto's and it's triggering that thyroid, you're going to lose every time. Okay. There's other foods that can do it. Uh, some people have issues with nightshades, peppers, tomatoes, things like that, or vegetables with oxalates, your, you know, your leafy greens, spinach being the most common. And you can get around things like that. You know, spinach, if you cook it, the oxalates break down. And so they're not as big of an issue. But figuring these things out, if you do have Hashimoto's, is essential. You cannot effectively treat and help someone with Hashimoto's if you're not looking at their diet and looking at the things that might be causing their issues. Obviously, sugar, processed foods, things like that, we want to avoid. I mean, we just want to avoid them generally, right? But we need to make sure that we get that immune system under control so our thyroid is working like it's supposed to. When the thyroid's working better, our metabolism works better, we burn fat more easily. Balancing your hormones may be the key to getting your weight loss on track. I have helped many people get their weight loss going just by getting their hormones working like they're supposed to. If you're interested in working one-on-one on weight loss or other health conditions, I do do coaching. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Dr. Rich Huntsman. I'll put a link in the show notes where you could schedule a one-on-one call. I offer consultation calls for free where we discuss what you have going on and how I might be able to help. I do work with people virtually. Appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Take Back Your Health with Dr. Richard Huntsman. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The content presented here is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical question or before embarking on any new health program.